Every human can be hacked. What skill sets should you look out for and what countermeasures should you implement? Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Jenny Radcliffe, the people hacker, we're going to be discovering why social engineering is such a key topic for EP right now. Many people out there suddenly waking up one morning and deciding they are a social engineering expert. Jenny Radcliffe is the social engineering expert. So it'll be a pleasure to talk to her and also welcome her back. I know many people in the industry have seen her before. She she spoke at many EP conferences back in the day. So uh, really excited about this episode. Yeah, Pelham, it's a great subject. And why do you think it's such an important topic? Well, I guess it's it's important because, well, one, it's in the news uh, with everybody telling you not to click on emails, phishing, vishing, smishing, uh, lots and lots of things with ING on the end, right? So it's a bit of a buzzword. But actually, in this lockdown period, people have come under threat from lots of scams, you know, traditional telephone-based scams, but also through online and, uh, and, and, and postal attacks. And actually, the most vulnerable in society are very scared right now. And what social engineering always does is it tries to elicit an emotion. And we often have presentations on, on this, and it says, if it makes you angry, if it wants you to take action, if it wants you to change a habit immediately, then stop, take a long breath and reconsider it. Um, what about in the world of EP? Surely the EPO is not the target. Surely it's all about the principle. Um, or, or perhaps or perhaps that's different now. Yeah, no, for sure. The principal will be a main target. You have the children, all of them sort of things that we need to be aware of and advise our principals on to watch their social footprint, to be aware of what they're clicking, because you could be clicking on a link that takes you to a virus loaded page, which can infect your laptop with certain malware, which can get personal details, medical details, financial details all the stuff that you don't want the bad guys to get. And of course, you know, people are complaining about uh, data privacy, but every day they're uploading new things about themselves. And that must be difficult with the evolving principle because, you know, back in the day, perhaps it was a stuffy person wearing a suit and tie. I'm, I'm imagining it, obviously, there's a big variety. But today, maybe a Bitcoin billionaire or perhaps some sort of uh, social media influencer, they're, they're putting so much out there. And that must make your job a lot more difficult. It is. It's, it's a huge learning curve as well with so many social platforms coming up, you know, with the younger children. There's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, whatever they may be. You need to be ahead of the game and have a finger on the pulse to what's coming next. So you can learn from previous experiences, but also to be ahead of the game to be able to warn off and advise the upcoming generation of the threats that's out there. I love it. Well, let's hear from Jenny Radcliffe, expert in this field that we have really, really great pleasure to include on the podcast. She's been there. She's done it. She's got both a, uh, a family business, which has a uh, military and a police background, but also a non-military, non-police background. She herself, not uh, of that background, but nevertheless has all of these skills. Um, that's going to be a key theme throughout this interview as well. So let's hear from Jenny. It'll be a pleasure to welcome her. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. 
We're here with Jenny Radcliffe, founder and director of Human Factor Security. We are talking about hacking the person. We're talking about social engineering. We're talking about skill sets as it relates to physical security and hopefully EP, but of course the wider community as well. Welcome, Jenny. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for asking me on the show. Pleasure to have you. Well, as with all sessions, we'd like to do three quickfire questions to get right in there. Um, what is your biggest gripe with the industry as it stands? What is the problem that you think we need to be solving right now? I think we need to really make sure that the people who are doing social engineering are qualified to do it by experience. I think there's a lot of times uh, it sounds very easy and like anything that's worth doing properly actually isn't at a professional level so I think we need as an industry just to to really check that just to even just asking people what their last three jobs were that type of thing is it's very hard to provide references I don't provide references either but just you know a little bit of a, a chat to people will reveal I think whether mm. they actually do the job okay very good and 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 you as a as a person where does your passion for this uh, field come from Oh, so I'm as a family business. So I've been doing social engineering and physical infiltration anyway, pretty much my whole life. So half the family was very senior military and police and the other half were the opposite of that. And they were the people who really taught me physical infiltration skills and a few other bits and pieces. And at the time when I was younger, there really wasn't an industry. Nobody spoke about it. There didn't seem to be an industry around those type of skills, but of course there is now. So uh, I, I love that job. I love the job that I do. It's an exciting job. I, I'm a bit old now, so I do less of the scramble around on roofs and things that I used to do. But, you know, the, the, the passion comes from the fact that it's an exciting job and that you're helping people, you're stopping other people who would mean someone great harm um, from doing the same things. I mean, if I can get past, then someone else can. So we patch that and harden it off. And, um, and that's really, yeah, that's where I get the passion from. Well, uh, for those people not yet in, in your field, you know, the uninitiated out there, beyond doing your due diligence and finding out that the person is, in fact, legit, what would you like them to know? I suppose what you need to understand is that it doesn't need, somebody just needs to be clever and determined to get past move security. And what I find it within the industry is, is, certainly amongst clients, is that the extent to which someone can use psychology, can blag the way in, is really very much underestimated. And particularly in the wider security industry, it was often underestimated that somebody who wasn't military or police could, could sort of get past those things. You don't need necessarily tons of training to be able to do my job, but you do need to be able to apply thought and determination to it. And with those things, if anyone builds a wall, someone's already thinking about a ladder. And that's what people need to think about. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely got experience of all of that in my job and certainly when you're going to an event with a VIP and so not everybody's got the correct accreditations if you turn up there and you look like you belong you can almost glide past that security I mean I got away with so much my whole life because I don't look dangerous Sean I mean I don't I would never get stopped Whereas if I was working with crews and the guys were bigger and uh, you know, sort of stood out more. They would that would be part of the reason I'd be taken along to them or be hired would be because nobody would necessarily notice me, and if they did notice me, they wouldn't be suspicious of me. So, I mean, that really got me an awful lot of work, and continues to get me a lot of work because I'm just not. I just look so innocent. <laughs> so, so what does human hacking 
the skill set actually look like? What tools do you require to be able to carry out that as a role? Yeah, I mean, when I'm describing it to people who are completely not in the industry, what I say is that most hackers, people would imagine a hacker to be someone behind a computer coding in a black hoodie. And I, I sort of do the same thing. I gain unauthorized access, well, authorized these days access to buildings, information, and to things that people know that it's not in their interest really to tell me or to tell anyone. And the skills that I use to do that are very high level people skills. So there's a certain amount of interrogation training. I have uh, non-verbal skills to a very high level, including lie detection, kind of linguistic, conversational hypnosis, that type of thing. And then there's all the influence, manipulation, persuasion skills that I've got as well. And they sort of ball up into people skills, like high level people skills. Sometimes people call them soft skills, which always makes me laugh because there's nothing soft about it. I'd much rather you mess with my email than my brain. So I have that. And then the other sort of side of the coin is the physical infiltration skills. So basically I was taught how to break into buildings, how to get past security, whether that's humans and using all the skills that I've just mentioned or whether it's sort of physical security measures and the certain ways to do that. And I always say I don't have to work on locks. I work on the people. If there's a person that can get past through the lock, then we work on the person. So it's two sides, physical uh, infiltrations and psychological set of skills that I have. So we've all heard about phishing, but how likely are the, the attacks that use a human factor, like vishing or deep fakes? How likely are them attacks to people? And do you have any experience of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like 95%, depending on, on which statistic you want to look for, 95% of attacks, cyber attacks, are human-based. So that's human error or manipulation. And of those, and again, depending on what statistics, but they don't vary you know, they don't go much lower than around about the 91% mark, would you believe, are down to phishing attacks. So people information being gained through an email, either with an executable file or a bad link. And those are the most common sort of vectors in because people trust them. There's a million ways to do it. It's the most common kind of way that we can contact people. And I would say that's one way we do it. It's one way I do it is send emails and people sort of click on them and don't realize that it's not from like a friendly source. But I very much started out at a time when when phishing emails and when emails generally just weren't a feature. So I was old school. I always say I'm a very retro hacker. I was very old school. So I had to do actual in-person surveillance and actually speak to people to find out what I needed to know. And all of that was done over the phone, which is what we call vishing. So voice phishing. So phone work, telephone work really would be my much more my preferred option. Very difficult to trace, no digital footprint. And, and if I can get someone talking to me, I can probably find out whatever I need to know. Now, in terms of deep fakes, these are the videos you might have seen. And there's some that, you, you know, your, your editor might want to link to at the end or something. But there's some, say, for example, of Barack Obama saying how great Donald Trump is and Donald Trump saying how great Barack Obama is and, and those types of things. And they're very difficult to distinguish between what's a real video from a real person and what might be uh, what someone's faking that, faking that video for whatever reason, malicious purposes, perhaps. But the thing about those is it's not they're very convincing in terms of what you see. But the techniques of fooling people, of being a con artist, really, we would always rely on the same things. And it's those things that people need to look out for. So I, I talk, talk about four red flags. It's if we talk about money, we want people to act quickly. 
want people to act at all. So some sort of call to action. And if we raise the emotions of the person and if those four things are present, regardless of how the message is delivered, whether it's in person, whether it's a deep fake, whether it's an email or over the phone, then those should be red flags and we should be suspicious. And it just makes me think, Sean, that it's even true with the principal, it's even true in person. Something is going on, even if someone you know is looking at you and doing those things. You know, and I always think of coercion at that point or ego or, or you know, whatever we're talking about or, or some kind of cause related ideology, really. Because if someone starts talking about those things and it happens all the time, even in person, even if you know them, then that's a red flag. It's it's difficult. It's, it's unusual behavior. And it's something that we need to be really suspicious of as security people and teach our, our customers and the public more about it. So when joining a pen testing team, what in your experience is the least recognisable disguise. The least Do you know what you need to do on a pen test? You need to go with what you are. So when I said to you before, a lot of the work I got was from people who were former military or sometimes <laughs> only just former military. And one of the reasons that they kept getting spotted, and they asked me in so I wouldn't be noticed, a particular job in a bank in Germany, they asked me in. But one of the reasons they kept getting spotted was because they were pretending to be something that they weren't. Mm-hmm. Right. So they were trying to hide their physique or, the, you know, their, their st- I mean, particularly their gait. So the way, you know, you can usually tell by the way people walk if they've been military or police. And and so they were trying to hide it. Now, the, the thing about deception is, is it, it, it'll leak. OK, so even from a nonverbal point of view, it will leak out. If you're trying to hide what you really are, it comes out. Um, it comes out in, in, in the things that people say. It comes out in the way they behave, comes out in their physicality. So the least detectable disguise, if you like, for a physical penetration job or for a job where you're trying to blend, is sort of going with the pretext, going with the persona that sort of fits you already. So the least you have to remember, the better. Because situationally, tactically, you need very good tactical adaptation to be on the ground and carry out a a job and assignment. The last thing you need is to be thinking, well, you know, how would an accountant walk or how would a cleaner do that? You know, you have to be able to almost exclude everything else and, and, and live that role without too much effort because there should be, if you're doing it proper, adequate mental effort in, in, in actually reaching your objectives and getting out. Yeah, there needs to be an element of truth to what you're doing and you need to look like you belong. You know, you, you can't fool people if you're doing something completely out of character. Um, like you say, it leaks. You know, it's a great way of putting it. It leaks it, and you'll stumble over the questions and everything else. So, could you tell us a bit more about the social cues that... We should be looking out for for those who have malicious intent. It depends what you mean. I mean, do you mean in person or? Yeah. So what should we be looking out for? People who want to do bad things to us, find out bad things about us. That could be anything, you know, bank details, anything like that. What should we, should we be looking out for? I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can answer that. There's ways that we can protect ourselves through what we put on social media and stuff. So one of the things to look out for is that if you if you do a search on yourself on social media, um, don't do, use your own laptops and computers and everything else, but use, you know, use someone else's computers and, and have a look and really see what you can find about yourself. You might be surprised because one of the things that malicious individuals are looking for is to, is to link information and build a profile of someone. And then we're looking for that chink in the armor, the way, a way in. Uh, and we replicate that all the time on assignments. So, I mean, a good piece of advice is, is to look out, look out for those types of things online and make yourself less obvious a target. I mean, I was doing some work with with a lady. She had a fixated individual, really 
at the point of, of changing from being someone who was fixated but online to being potentially in her physical presence. And I was I was kind of talking to her and looking at looking after her and giving her some advice. And then when I looked online, you know, she posted everything about her life online, where she worked, a bus route, she checked in at her coffee shops, and and it just made life easy. If you're if you know if you're a malicious individual, if you're someone who means someone harm, that's a very easy way of catching up with someone. And what really amazes me about the security industry broadly, even executive protection and bodyguards. And I mean, I've spoken to. And I've got mates in the industry is the amount of police, military and EP who put their own life out there. So, I mean, I had a friend of mine on Instagram uh, post their new house with the number and the front door. And, you know, the approximate area I can. Ex- I mean, I am not a technical hacker by any means. And I had to take my hat off to people who are. But even I can extract data and see where that photograph was taken. But I wouldn't even need to because online. I know approximately the area, I know his wife's name, I know how many kids he's got, and now I know the front door. I can probably get to his house very quickly. So, you know, I think the number one thing to do is stop making yourself so easy. What's lacking it? I suppose you, what, Halem? The thing is, I, I answered that question, but I'd answer another one. The thing that's lacking in this industry, amazingly, is good OPSEC. It just, everyone forgets about it when they're online. And it's so basic and yet so forgotten. Yeah, I originally done a course on open source intelligence. Right what you say there, you know, just from a single photograph, they can find where you live, where the photograph is taken. It's scary what you can find from such a small breadcrumb trail. And especially if you're protecting, you know, if you're protecting a principle that that's well known. I mean, what we found is that it's very easy for, for me to, to kind of know their movements based on you know what public engagements they're likely to be at what what's coming up what kind of launches and things like that so i'll give you an example of the type of thing i mean i went to a a theater show there was a a young lady in the bar and there was an incident in the bar and i spoke to her and she said you know i'm this guy's biggest fan it was the star of the show was one of these like like a reality tv singer type of person i didn't even know who he was i was there for other reasons shall we say but she had a tattoo of his face on on her arm okay i'm not going to say too much more because i'll out who it was but uh she says, I, I, you know, I see him all the time. I follow him everywhere. And so she said, you know, I even, I've got lots of photographs. And she showed, started showing me, un, unasked for on her phone, some photographs. And there was a photograph of her with him outside. And she said, it was in Liverpool. And she said, I knew he was there. And so she'd gone and waited for him to come out. Now, where'd he gone? He'd gone for a massage in a beauty parlour. Famous, famous sort of spa uh, in Liverpool or near Liverpool. And so, but he posted it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. As he was going in. Now you've got an hour and a half, you're on a 90 minute window of him getting the treatment done, sort of getting changed and everything else, whatever. And in that 90 minutes, she was waiting for him outside the door. Now she might have just been a nuisance, she may not have been dangerous. She didn't strike me, you know, psychologically as a danger. But the problem is, it's like, where, who is advising him? Do it when you're leaving, you don't do it now. And we found that we could we could follow pretty much anyone with just think just cues like that all the time. Terrifying, really, when you think it doesn't take me very long. I can start. I can be in a cab or a car on the way to the approximate area immediately, and pinpoint you very very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge problem for the likes of the younger principals as well who were at school. They just start to grow their social footprint, you know, with Instagram. influences. Yeah, 
it's influences that 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 are very difficult. They're to tagging themselves everywhere when they're going on holiday. So and and there's a lot of crime in Liverpool in the football industry where you're from, where people have been away, security football players. People know the fixture list. They know they're away from home. Don't put on. It's like putting on your front door. I'm on holiday now. Please break in. I mean, that's one of the places I started. We started doing security audits for um, Liverpool and Everton players. And I went around to some of their houses. That was one of the first things I did. And we sold, sold them alarm systems that they probably didn't need, to be fair. But I went around and looked at their houses. And that was how, that was one of the ways I started. My cousins were running the doors in, um, in the city centre. And I just was less threatening and stupid enough to write all the reports and do all the paperwork for them. And that was really how I started out in physical because they'd show me. I mean, we used to get into places when I was younger, but by the time I was in uni, I was writing security reports for footballers. So they were the only people with any money in Liverpool at the time, you know. So what would be your top advice to give to people working in the EP industry to avoid wheeling people targeting their principles, high net worths? Same thing I've just been saying is they need to understand that they're leaving a trail. They're leaving a crumb trail all the time. And if you want, we want to make our life easier and not be constantly worried about the principal posting something that, that's going to make it so much more difficult for us to, to, to protect them. And so it's really, I, I think the job changed. I always say it was like, I was amazed when social media came out because of the open possibilities. It, the, the job changed because it was just like people were feeding themselves to the lions. You know, I didn't need to check that hard anymore. I just needed to look. And I think what, what a lot of uh, people in the industry need to remember and the best at what they do do remember is that there's that link between physical protection and virtual online cyber protection. If you can be more secure in the cyber world, we've got less to worry about in the physical world. And so that, that, that for me, the number one piece of advice is that like, they have to check that digital footprint. They need a sanitized version to go out that doesn't reveal locations or weaknesses. And if they're going to put things like children and that out there, all of that needs looking at as well, because they don't, we don't tend to advise clients. We tend to advise them, but not, but not say, look, you know, that, that it's your network. I would never worry uh, about an individual I couldn't get to directly because I get to them through their network, through their family and through people they knew. It's a much wider job in that sense these days, I think. Well, thanks, Terry. I, I really appreciate that angle and that link to cyber. And um, I, I guess I had a, a sort of a procedural question, which is, you know, uh, people in the community, they want to reach out for someone to advise them on this or to carry out some physical pen tests or some sort of other work. There's a lot of people out there who seem to wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm a cyber guru. And you, you say, well, why, why are you a cyber guru? And they're like, well, I just feel like it. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating. But how can one tell the difference between someone who is a genuine human factor expert and someone that just woke up one morning? I think... It's obviously it's quite difficult because a lot of the time when people people want to be in the industry because there's there's money in the industry, you know, security is an industry that's going to keep growing. Cybersecurity particularly is going to keep growing. So that's why people want to do it. And also because there's a lot of attention to be had these days in terms of things like this and podcasts and, and conferences and things that can be well paid or, or, or you know, raise your profile if, if that's what you want. But I think what it is is that we don't necessarily do the due diligence that you do if you you have to do it almost as if you're hiring someone you have to sit like this and spend 15 20 minutes talking to someone not about where they've spoken and and, and those types of things but really sort of say talk me through a job that you've done tell me about a, a time when when you did 
you know, a social engineering assignment where there's a physical infiltration. And if we're, you know, if we're speaking now to the security industry, we are supposed to have been trained and, and through experience and training to look at things critically and not just take things at face value. In fact, if we took things at face value, like Sean said before, you know, we wouldn't suspect people who we should suspect would be just like the public and expect a hacker to look like a hacker. So I would just say, look at what people are putting out there. Look at their profile on, on sort of social media. Look at their site. Are they putting out useful information? Are the interviews they're giving really useful? And also the other thing that I notice a lot of is, can they do things on their own? Can you have someone who is going to go on stage or, or come on a show like this with no preparation? I think people forget why you, if you're if you're in security, why did we go into security in the first place if it wasn't to look after people? And the, the real problem is, is that if you don't know what you're talking about and you get a kind of platform, the next, the logical step is that you'd be protecting a client or working with the client and they might get bad advice. At the end of the day, we're in security and someone could die or lose their identity or lose a lot of cash or otherwise cause serious damage. And I, I always think sometimes it's it's not that you can necessarily get references. It's not necessarily that someone can talk about a job that they've done. But if you just chat to someone for long enough and ask them to really go through and give examples, I think that separates the uh, the people who really know what they're talking about to the people who are shiny but empty, ultimately, in terms of advice. Great advice. And, uh, and I think that will resonate with the community because EP is supposed to be the part of security that are people, people, not necessarily hacking uh, in, in that in that dimension, but they're supposed to be able to get people's trust very quickly and gauge the manner of a person very quickly. So if anyone can do it, you'd think EP could have a good stab at uh, making a, an assessment of, of who they're working with, uh, be that TSCM or perhaps uh, someone can do some dark web threat intel for them. Who knows? What's next for you then, Jenny? Uh, what have you got coming up? So, I mean, events are starting to be booked again, in-person events. And, and what I've found now is as the keynote is that it's very short time scale. So like suddenly it's like, you know, I've just been booked for next week and I've got another one in-person for the week after. And that's lovely. It's lovely to get back to speaking in front of live audiences and it'll be nice to travel again and do some work. I've also got a lot of clients who I always have to travel to and I, I've not been able to do that and they've got problems and security issues coming back because they're on the move again now and I've got to go to them. And I'm really looking forward to that. In terms of my sort of, if you like, career, I am a third of a way through. I suppose I shouldn't even say that, but I'm a third of the way through. I was asked to write my autobiography um, and, and so I'm, I'm sort of through that. And like when that's, you know, when that's finished, that is a, a deal. So when it's finished, that'll be out. And I've got to really focus on that and not be distracted because it's it's so hard. I mean, hat, you know, hats off to anyone who manages to write a book because it's just, it's a difficult thing to do. And I, I, my career in this, it goes back to when I was really quite young and it's hard for me to remember dates and, and things and get, you know, get, it's like if someone said to you, you know, right now, what was the year you did your first job? You, you really have to think and go, well, Okay, so to find the job and what year, and I have to really think about it. So it's took some time, but I'm enjoying doing that. And, and I've got lots more work coming up in terms of just, I, I know that the, the people want to hear more about the physical infiltration side and want to be trained. And I will train people and I will write that program. But it, I suppose it's the same as, I mean, I'm sure Sean knows the same type of thing. It, it's vetting people. It's the same thing we just talked about. It's vetting people. Who do I tell? Not just about physical infiltration and how to do that, but about the psychology of it, because interrogation techniques and things like that, and to make someone psychologically tired, there is a 
tools for that, but you've got to be very careful who you teach. So I'm looking forward to, to, to getting going on that as well at the end of the year. Wonderful. Well, from Sean and myself, uh, Jenny Radcliffe, it's been a pleasure having you on the Circuit Magazine podcast. Uh, we look forward to catching you again very soon. Oh, no, it's been my pleasure. And just in a big shout out to everyone out there protecting people. I appreciate what you do. Worked with a lot of VP. And I'm looking forward to reading the book. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Great to hear Jenny Radcliffe again. And it's uh, it, it's about time we welcome Jenny back to perhaps one of the physical events. It's been too long. Really love this topic. And uh, I think it's going to be ever more crucial for the EP and corporate security industry. Uh, uh, Sean, what were your takeaways? Well, I really enjoyed that. And I liked where she spoke, spoke about, you know, talking in the principal. It's not just the principal who's talking to direct. You can get to your principal through your friends through their friends or their social contacts, their family. So you could have a complete protective bubble around your principal and it could be other people that almost let the side down, not, not let the side down, but like Jenny said, there's a leak. You know, that could be the leak. It might necessarily not be your principal. It could be the friends. And that'll open the door for the social engineering people to come in and gain information which could become a threat to you or your principal. Absolutely. Well, well, I'm sure this is a topic that will be interwoven in many a you know podcast episode. I've certainly been using it in some of the events coming up. Actually, talking about events, uh, when this uh, episode goes live this afternoon, which will be uh, the 21st of April, uh, 4 p.m. UK time, uh, we are having the Protecting Digital Assets and Identities for a Physical Security Specialist. So that's an interesting segue because obviously. You, you know, lots of digital assets like cryptocurrency, crypto artwork, you, you don't want to lose them. You don't want to be responsible, maybe, or maybe you do. You never know. That could be a new uh, niche in the EP market. But from a much more clear and normal perspective, what about digital identities? What about digital keys? How can you protect against them? And I suspect we're going to discover that it's a lot of the same skills to counter social engineering as, you know, carrying and, and not losing your principal's digital and immutable identity. Big, big topic, but I'm very much looking forward to it. What else have we got going on, Sean? Issue 57 has now hit the stands. So please, if you haven't purchased it already, get on, have a look at that. And also we've got the Protector and BBA apps, which are blowing me away at the moment. All of the engagement on there. It's nice to do some focused networking away from the likes of Facebook and Twitter. It's networking directly with people in the protection community, protection space. So I'd recommend anyone working in that space to download either BBA apps or the Protector app from the App Store. Uh, take a look. It's free. And let us know what you think. I, I, I for one, have uh, really enjoyed it. And there is a real benefit to having both because they've both got different angles. Um, and, and of course, uh, Elijah has been putting some great stuff on the Protector app. Um, so, so, so really enjoyed that. Um, well, social engineering, Jenny Radcliffe, what a big name in a big topic. It's been a pleasure having her here today. We really enjoyed this session. From Sean and myself, thank you for joining the Circuit Magazine podcast. We look forward to welcoming you for another edition very soon. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.